Harvest Time Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. just yet because like across the horizon of the water it was just all grey and I could have gone and I just felt this just wait just just wait a little longer and as I did this must have been this tiny gap in the grey cloud and this pink just went shot shot forth big smile came across my face And I know that that was just reiterating to me what he's trying to tell, I believe, his people right now. So I use, uh, if you have your Bibles, I I use, uh, I use the big boy here. (laughs) The big boy here. And... If you can just get ready at Mark, um, Mark chapter one. But while we do that, I just want to share a little bit about how I encountered Jesus, how I encountered the love of God. So, when I was a child, I came from a um, I had a, a relatively seemingly normal upbringing, but it was actually, like most families, very dysfunctional. The first boyfriend I had was abusive, and the, the girl that thought she would one day um, amount to something lost every bit of confidence she ever had. Uh, I had no voice, absolutely no voice. And I came into um, church in Brookvale when I was young and I walked down the front and I gave my heart to the Lord and I thought I would suddenly be changed from an instant and have this radical transformation but I was exactly the same other than I'd made a decision and so nothing had changed in me I I was still feeling all the fears and the intimidation that I'd felt all along. But I set out to find him. I'd seen on people a love, a joy, a peace that I'd never known. And so I set out to find him. And every prayer meeting I was at, every church service I attended. Three years later, I got offended in church life. And if you haven't been in church for long, I'm telling you now, you will get offended, but hang in there because it's just life and God uses every bit of it for you because he loves you, to change you from the inside out. So I was offended and I was now in my home writing love letters to God. I couldn't uh, talk anymore because I felt like I'd been so abused my whole life and I was like 
doing the, felt like I was singing the song, What About Me, It Isn't Fair, I've Had Enough, Now I Want My Share. I was just so wounded, so broken, and feeling like it really wasn't fair for me. And as I'm writing these letters to the Lord, because I just didn't have, I had no voice, no voice. I was, in my head I could hear, you know, you choose, life or death, you choose. I felt my mind was slipping because I was just so focused on the pain. You choose, you choose. And I didn't even know back then that that was a scripture. And then I started thinking about, you know, the Bible says a man reaps what he sows. Well, what did I sow? What did I sow as a child to receive this and this? What did I do, as, you know, when I was a young girl to receive this and this? And I'm thinking, well, maybe you're not real. Maybe. Maybe you're not real, God. But the thought of God not being real was more than my heart could bear because he was all I had. And I made a decision that night that whether I ever felt the tangible presence of God, whether I ever, you know, was experiencing what what I'd seen on others, I was going to serve him for the rest of my days. And in that moment, it was like heaven opened for me in that room. And the love of God poured out on me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that he loved me. And I knew in that moment one other thing. Because when the light shines upon us, when, when we connect with the love of God, it's his light, it's his love, right? It pours out and it shines on, on our hearts. And so we see ourselves. It exposes everything, his love. And I could see me, that I was a sinner saved by grace. And so the, the, the boyfriend and all the, anyone who'd ever hurt me was released. It was all gone. It was all gone. He loved me. He loved me. He loved me. And I wept like a baby all night in repentance for my pride, for being so focused on me. And now my eyes had shifted to a God who loved me. And so I went back to church, dyed my hair white blonde, bought a red jacket, and the church mouse parked herself up the front row <laughs> because I just wanted to worship him. I wanted to be as close as I could. And that was the beginning of spending every moment I could in the prayer closet. I just wanted to be with him, be alone with him, get away with him. And, and we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It is a process. I didn't suddenly become... Uh, bold as a lion it, it was a I mean it was a process I was stepping out and uh, and that's what he will do for us and so that's been over like over 30 years of just having this relationship with him where you know sometimes I we have seasons where I might you know shy away a bit 
but he's relentless in his pursuit of you. He never shies away. He loves you. So, this word that I believe is, for now, is called retreat, rest, linger, return. Because Jesus prioritised one thing, and that was time with the Father. And so, that is what we're going to focus on this morning. So, let me turn to Mark 1. So, just the passage we're going to be reading from is from verse 29. And before this, Jesus had healed a man with an unclean spirit. And it says in verse 28, And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So Jesus is now famous. He's a superstar. Everybody wants a piece of Jesus. Verse 29, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. The whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Rest, retreat, linger, return. Jesus was famous. He'd become famous. He'd got a name. The presence of God was working. Signs and wonders were happening, just like what you're going to see here. But Jesus knew, like... There's a revival going on, but I'm going to slip away to a desolate place, to a lonely place, to a wilderness place, to be alone with him. And then when he returned, he knew exactly where to go. He didn't go, okay, like the crowds is all here. We need to just, let's just stay because there's need here. There's always going to be need. There's always going to be people that need your time. But what is God asking you to do? And that you'll find in the secret place. He was deliberate about what he was doing and where he was going. And his strength lay in this place. And this wasn't a one-off thing. It was a lifestyle. He regularly escaped the noise and frenzy of society to be alone with the Father. Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
but Jesus, and that's in the NIV. In the NLT it says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. In the English Standard Version, which I have, it says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This was a lifestyle pattern for Jesus. He needed this. Why? His son of God, son of man, he's sinless. But this sinless man knew where his strength lay. It was his time alone, alone with the Father. What this generation struggles with more than anything else, we can pray well together, and even then it can be a struggle, but we can pray well together, we can read the Word, we can turn up to church, but to spend time alone, no one else, no one there to see you, no one there to hear you, but him. What a gift. What a gift. Because you're never alone. You're never alone. We, we talk about the wilderness like it's some, and the desolate places like it's some scary place that I'm, oh, I'm in the wilderness. If you've been led into the wilderness, mark it down. Awesome times await you. Strength comes. Destiny starts to outplay. It's a sacred space. A sacred space. In John 5.19, it says Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He had a heavenly um, perspective, didn't he? How did he get this? How do you have a heavenly perspective? Was it just from the Torah? Was it from his time in the synagogue? I don't think so. In part it was. But the Pharisees knew the Torah. They spent plenty of time in the synagogue. Time alone with the Father. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Dwells. Abides, lives, makes residency, makes home. Like it's not we just sometimes can quote these passages so well. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. I love that psalm. Sammy and I memorized it in, in 2020. But he who dwells makes their home there, residence, lives there, dwells. It's a dwelling place. He who dwells. And that's what the psalm is requiring of, of God's people. It's saying that when we make our home, our lives, in the secret place, where it's not just a, a one-off, it's, it's, it's a familiar place. It's a familiar place for us. It's, it's this place that we just come to and, and we can just rest. He who dwells lives in 
the secret place of the Most High shall abide, rest under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, from it's from that dwelling place that we have the conviction to say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You know it. Why? Because you're saying it from a posture, from the secret place. Where he is. You know it. It's not just from out there. Well, I've read it and, and that's what it says. Because you've set your love upon him. Choice. Because you've set your love upon him. Therefore, he will deliver you. You'll call upon him and he'll answer you. It's a phenomenal psalm. Same with Matthew 6. We've got this Jesus teaching on the secret place. And I love this teaching of the secret place because we quote it all the time. But let's turn there. Let's turn to Matthew 6. Retreat, rest, linger, return. Remember it for this year because you're going to need it when things get really busy for you. And life will always be demanding. Alright, so Jesus talking on the secret place. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who's in, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. I call this the when, where, what passage that Jesus talks about. He's telling when we pray, where we pray, and then he'll soon tell us what to pray with the Lord's Prayer. There's a reward for you when you spend time alone with him. There's revelation that comes. It's those little words that he says to you. It's a scripture that he gives you. It's something. It's that kiss from heaven. It's something that you can't get in a crowd. And we'll look at that in, in a second. It's important that we get a hold of this as believers because it was something that Jesus did. Jesus taught us, not just by the words he spoke, but by his lifestyle, by the patterns that he had in his life, by, by what he did. And we want to be people that don't just um, see what's going on. We want to actually understand his ways. We want to be in, so in love with him that in a crowded room, we know when he walks in and we know when he leaves. Just like with a spouse. They don't have to say words. It's a look. And you know, I'm sure Jules and Holly know this, 
It's just a look. Okay, I'm, I've, we need to go. I've spoken too long. Need to say this. It's just a look. It's just a married couples just get this look where they know. Okay. <laughs> and that's how we're meant to be with him. That we understand where he's going, his, his, his rhythms. All right, so when he goes on and, and tells us how to pray with the phrases, with the, with the prayer of um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer was designed to be prayed from the heart posture in the secret place. You will never care about his kingdom coming if it's just in a crowd. You position when you are positioned alone with him in the secret place. And it's a heart posture to be alone with, like to just put him before your face. And you are saying, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, not tomorrow, not next week, today, today. So because he wants us to come back. He wants us to spend time with him. He's always knocking on the door of our heart. It's a a constant. It's a constant desire for your heart. For your heart. And there's something about when you pray prayers from that place you already know it has the yes and amen of heaven so Jesus didn't only retreat to be alone with God he also taught his disciples to do the same in Mark 6 verse 32 he says come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. So he's not always telling us that I want you to just come away so you can pray. I also want you to come away. Just come away. Come away with me. And rest because he loves you. He loves you. Your spirit, soul and body need rest. Why do we have a Sabbath? Rest. Those that were in bondage never had a Sabbath in the Old Testament. Something that was designed by God. He wants you to have rest, to understand what that is. Time alone. Time alone with him. Retreat. Rest. Linger. Return. And you will be clear to know what's going on and where he wants you to be. So the crowd. The crowd will always have opinions. If you are only spending time with him in a crowd, where whereas it's, Sunday service, prayer meeting, which is awesome. It's still, he's calling you as a church to come deeper, 
to come and spend time. I'm, I'm going to keep repeating it. I know it's such a simple word, but I feel it so strongly to keep saying it, to come alone, come and be alone with him. The reason being with the crowd, there's so many passages that you can see what happens. The crowd has various opinions. So many voices. Jesus had to deal with the mob crowd, didn't he? The crowd, the same crowd that was crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, would soon be the mob crowd that was going, crucify him, crucify him. We need to spend time alone. One of the scary um, passages for me is in John 7. If you'd like to turn there, John 7, we're going to read from verse 37 to 43. Now remember, Jesus is standing up there and declaring on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, the crowd, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the, from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. How sad. How sad. Jesus is offering them living water, offering them the greatest gift himself. And the crowd is throwing out, wow, wow, this guy, he must be a prophet. Oh, oh, he's the Christ. Others, oh, no, 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 he can't be the Christ. He can't be. Because this guy, we know this person, he's from Galilee. But the Christ, he's going to come from Bethlehem. And yet, if they just got alone with him, what would they find out? that Jesus actually was born in Bethlehem. If they just came close to him and asked the questions, just come close and talk to him. Ask him. Yeah, so good. The crowd. In John 6, 
after feeding the 5,000, following him for bread to get their needs met. They followed him. Why? Just for the needs. And yet Jesus says to them, they're coming because they just want bread. They're missing the mark because I'm wanting to give them me, the bread of life. And this is where we can miss it as believers because we're, we're thinking we're wanting one thing, yet Jesus is offering us something far greater in the form of himself. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, that walks this earth, the greatest gift that ever was and ever will be is the relationship that you carry personally with him. You and he are enough. And what you bring is glorious. And together, unbelievable. But it takes us as individuals to remain true to him. To step away from the crowd. If you're unsure, step away and be alone with him. Place value on the secret place in your life. Place value on spending time alone with Him. To retreat. To rest. Linger. That little while longer. And then return. Reasons to step away from the crowd. I'm just going to roll off a few. This is what Jesus, why Jesus would retreat. To prepare for a major task in Luke 4, verses 1 to 2 and 14 and 15. After Jesus was baptised, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and spent 40 days fasting and in prayer. He was tempted by Satan, offered choices and chose the right ones. The fruit was he began his public ministry. Alone. Alone. Another reason for Jesus, to recharge after hard work. In Mark 6, verses 30 and 32, Jesus had sent the 12 disciples out to ministry. And when they returned, he said, hey, I really love you. I want to encourage you now. So let's, let's come away together. Let's come away. He wasn't going, now keep going, keep going. There's need there. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. He said, come away, come away, come away. Come away and be with me. Another reason to work through grief. Matthew 14 verses 1 to 13. After Jesus learned that his cousin John the Baptist had died. He went away by himself. Even the son of man feels and grieves. Another reason to focus on prayer was Luke 5.16. It was just purely just that, to just pray, to be alone and pray, be alone and intercede, be alone and hear what the Father's saying and declare it as so. Very important, very important. In the wilderness or lonely places, God reveals himself. In the darkness of the wilderness, and I've spent, I'm sure who here has spent time in the wilderness? Yes, we spend time in the wilderness, but we come out leaning on our beloved, it says in, in um, Song of Solomon. 
We come out leaning on our beloved. We become closer to him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That the whole psalm, like Psalm 23, it's, it's the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, 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 and then it's you. He, but now it's you. You, you. He becomes personal when we're walking through things. The wilderness is where God separates us from what we've learned to lean on in order that he can show us that we need to lean on him that little bit more. And there are places in our lives where we lean on our own understanding. We make decisions based out of what's in front of us. But when we step away and just spend time with him, he reveals it to us. There is no greater place for me to repent than there. If I go there and I see him, I always see me. And yes, I'm valued and I'm a beloved sister and I'm you know, all those things. And I am. And I know how much he loves me, okay? But I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's who I am. And I am forever indebted that he saved me. Forever indebted that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Another reason before making any important decision in Luke 6, verses 12 and 13, early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night alone in prayer and the next day he chose his 12 disciples. Now, he didn't go up that mountain and go, right, I've got an important decision to make. I'm going to spend all night in prayer because I want to pick 12 disciples. He's up there just being with him. And when he comes down, he knows. Things come to us up there. One of my prayers that I used to pray was, Lord, walk with me this day. And I realized how wrong that, that was. It sounds good, but it's not. It was, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. Can I walk with you today? Can I hold your hand today? It's so simple. But it's like, it's just flipping how we've, sometimes done things where it's like we're trying to do things for God and like oh I just I just want to do this for you but what if he said I just want you to worship me nothing more can you do it of course you can In that same um, passage, when he called the 12 disciples, it reads in Mark 3, verse 14, it says it like this. He called the 12 to himself that they might be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. To be with him. 
That's why he called them. That's why he's called you. He's called every one of you here to be with him. Just be with him. That he may send you forth. And whatever that looks like, however that is. But it's beautiful. Retreat, rest, linger a while with the Father. And return and shine brightly. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. For more resources, please head to harvesttimechurch.org.au. Or if you'd like to connect with us directly, you can find us at Harvest Time Church on both Instagram and Facebook.